Welcome to 63 versus 23, the rubber match. Welcome back to Motorsport 101. And you thought you got bored of Banyaya versus Bastianini. The sport said no, have a third slice. Welcome to episode 406 of Motorsport 101. I'm your friendly neighborhood host, Dre Harrison. And we've just had MotoGP's penultimate race of the year. It's the Malaysian Grand Prix. First time back in Malaysia since 2019. Good to have it back. There's been a lot of rounds this year, having the flyaways back. It's like, God, first time we've raced here in three years. It's it's quite the vibe. But uh, Sepang was... I don't want to say it was bad. It was different. It was interesting. Yeah. And, and you know, we had a bit of a lopsided fight at the front, but... We got there in the end. It was it was it was it was good. You know, we we, we got a we got a fight for the win. You know, almost went down to the final. That's, that's always a plus, right? Right? Mm-hmm. You know, how how do we feel about a decider, gents? It sure is looking kind like of, a pretty lopsided decider to me. <laughs> <laughs> kind of feels like it's already been decided, but we've said that a few times before this year. Mm. And it feels like everyone is in a race to the bottom to lose this championship. Let's go around the horn and break down some of the details here. First up, Cam Buckley. How's it going, man? Um, I rescind any previous praise on this show for Ayagura. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's a good sign. When in the script, I put a question in here specifically for one person. One. It's for Cam. Can you guess what the subject matter is? I'll give you a hint. It involved the Moto2 race. Just saying. You are not just a clown. You are the entire circus. You (laughs) are comedy. RJ, how's it going, man? Oh, it's... It's going good. Um, I think uh, not to make this a, a second episode about my time at Mo- at uh, Coda, but you know, I think that a multi-class F one slash IndyCar slash MotoGP race would be it would never happen, but it would be pretty cool to see as a spectacle. Yeah, defo, defo, and joining us because you know he's still in the furniture. For one more day. It's Ryan Eric King. Hello, sir. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. I'm here because we got to talk about KTM. There's nothing to talk about, but we got to talk about KTM. <laughs> we, we, we can we confirm. Talk about their, we need to talk about their quibbling corpse. <laughs> they're not dead. They're just on life support. Hey, it's fine. Now, they're leading the Moto2 championship, and that's what matters most. Truly <laughs> <laughs> the KTM way. It's like, big boy class, nah. Moto2, oh yeah. <laughs> we, we got that shit down. <laughs> we can confirm, we have confirmed reports, Brad Binder did pass some fucking bikes, so at least we have that to hang our hats on because he finished in eighth. Because that's what Brad Binder does. He just finishes well every well, week. It's, he finished eighth to, to pull him, what, two points ahead of Johan Sarko in the standings? Now, I don't want to be that guy, but... <laughs> oh, no, be that guy. Please <laughs> be that guy. I encourage it. Mm. It'll be a great year for KTM if we just have one guy beat Sarko. I'm just saying, I think you want to beat the guy who quits on your team. 
I was about to say, I'm surprised you're not doing the whole Skip Bayless thing and just calling him number five. <laughs> like, yeah, like King, I'm pulling for Brad. I, I, I you know, I, I, I like Brad a lot. He has to beat Zarko. You can't let him get beaten by the guy who quit on your team and ended up folding up into a Pramac gig. Like, to, to me, this is the biggest storyline going into Valencia. Two points between Binder and Zarko. Hashtag that, the real decider. That intense battle for sixth place. <laughs> you love to see it. Like, like you can't say on Motorsport 101 we don't cover the important stories, because we do. <laughs> We do. Um, so over the next half hour plus or so, we'll get into, well, what set up the decider. And that was another Francesco Bagnaia, Enea Bastinini dogfight. Seconds out, round three. We've also got to say adividerci and goodbye to a pretty as MotoGP title chances. He has fallen at the second to last fence in, of the Grand National. Alicia Spagaro can no longer win this title. Alicia was a great run. To be the chosen one. Y'all, y'all mocked me preseason. She's going to win a race. They did. They got one. They got one. <laughs> and there was look. He kept it going for a lot longer than anybody <laughs> thought he had any right to. Right, right. We've got to talk about Alicia Spargaro because, yes, like he has been one of the key protagonists of this season, no matter which way you slice it. We've got to talk about Alicia Spargaro. And we'll talk a little bit about a specific Moto2 era, which had a big swing on that championship as well. Ayagura, we, we, we had what we call... You blew it. It's, it's, it's a... If, you blew it. It's uh, it's 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 four fifths of a Jacobetis. There was no like premature celebration, but no, we were close. We were very close on this one. All of that in the next half hour or so. But places you can find us real quick. We're on YouTube.com forward slash Motorsport 101. We're on Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101. We're on Twitter at Motorsport underscore 101. If you want to follow our personal handles, you can at Harrison 101 HD, at Ryan Eric King, at CBuckby917, and at RJ O'Connell. If you want some extra content, we've got a written review of this and Formula One this past weekend at the United States Grand Prix, the second of the Americas. Thankfully, no, like no insults to Shaq um, on our website, motorsport101.com. And of course, if you're going to be like us, you can back us financially. Um, that'll be at patreon.com forward slash motorsport101. Um, yeah, check us out on there. You can back us for early access, live recordings, Discord server access, all of that good stuff is in there for your listening and viewing pleasure tell your friends tell your friends tell your family it's all it's all good it's all gravy baby we love to see it so different without, gravy. without further ado let's get into MotoGP's return to sepang and the malaysian grand prix who wanted the trilogy no we're not talking about canelo triple g we're talking <laughs> Pecco and the Beast. Francesco Bagnaia, Enea Bastianini, round three. Bagna After Bagnaia made an incredible start to go from ninth to third, by the end of the second corner, it became 63 versus 23. Pecco versus the Beast yet again after race leader Jorge Martin crashed out while leading the race by over a second at the front after setting a new lap record to take pole position the day before. 
Bastianini went early this time. He took the lead with seven laps left, but Bagnaia threw his best counterpunch with three to go and didn't look back. Pecco takes his first win in five races, but with Fabio Cordararo finishing third, a close third, with a hand injury, mind you, we will have hashtag the decider at Valencia next week. The sport's first since 2017, though Banya is up 23 points with 25 on the table. So, Trey, <laughs> pretty how was easy that? math. <laughs> how was that dogfight at the end? I've got to cover a couple of things as we really get into the dogfight. First and foremost, God bless Daughter for trying. They are <laughs> they are trying hard with this decider. They got the hashtag the decider. We had big fancy CGI graphics at the end of the race that we you know, Ducati didn't get to break out the t-shirts early, although they did win the team championship this weekend. So they've got two-thirds of the triple crown wrapped up. Um the final piece will probably come next week. Um, so that that that's that's cool for them, I suppose. And hey, old school biking journos got pissed the hell off that they promoted the fact that Valentino Rossi will be here this weekend to cheer on his academy graduate, hoping to win his first world title. Guys, we can't promote the sport without Valley anymore. <laughs> what are we gonna do? <laughs> um, cope, seethe, maybe mauled. <laughs> Try to get more charismatic riders. <laughs> you know what we need? We need Daniel Ricardo on a bike. Nah, nah, oh, oh yeah, put, I mean, if you put him on the Honda, it can't go any worse than it did for Lorenzo in 2019. <laughs> uh, like, so, like I said, do, do, as, as Cam said in our last episode, God loves a trier. Dorna is trying, even though we all know. 23-point swing means basically all Banyai has to do is finish 14th at <laughs> Valencia this which, next which, week. Fair enough. Could be a challenge given Quartararo and Pecco were crashing bike after bike all weekend. But they, they were trying. Like, as RJ alluded to, Fabio Quartararo busted his finger quite badly um on the saturday i think it i was. read that and i was thinking yep that's it it's over yeah he, he, he rode through the pain barrier which shit what bike rider isn't these days and uh yeah finished in third a couple of seconds off the win like again fabio tried god bless no. if he tried though <laughs> I, I feel like it's important to, to point out who won valencia last year Ooh, that was it was pecco yeah, yeah. yeah. it was Pecco. Yeah. Pecco won this race last year. I forgot I mean, he won he this did. race last year. But 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 the problem is, King, you could say like he, you could say that he either won or crashed out of most of these races across these two years. But the funny thing about it is, is that Banyaya is starting to learn to pick up the points. And I you should point say out that he was trying at a hundred percent. So I should point out the last time that. Paco Bagnaia has raced at Valencia. He started the race and not finished was back in his 2016 Moto3 season. I don't care. I don't trust him. <laughs> you don't trust him. <laughs> I don't trust him. I don't trust any of these people. But, so in other words, you're not, you're not trusting him despite the fact the last time he tucked the front of Valencia was when he was still riding a Mahindra. Oh, don't get me wrong. I don't trust Fabio either. I don't trust anyone <laughs> anymore. 
Cam, Cam is watching with a tinfoil hat every week because he thinks, well, who, which one of these guys is going to tuck the front and drop it this week? It's I mean, going to be Aleish. Not that he can win the title anymore. Aleish hasn't crashed in a race all year. <laughs> That's the terrifying <laughs> he's part. He's due. I'm not, I'm not going to have you poor-mouthing Alicia Spargrove because of that <laughs> well, segment. We'll get to him in a bit, but also, I have to mention Jorge Martin as well. Like, Jesus Christ. Like, it's like we had the microcosm of a weekend as to why Jorge Martin ultimately didn't get the factory gig. Speed? Blistering. Like, I, I, we, we glossed over this, right? Jorge Martin was on pole by the better part of half a second. He was the first man in history to go under one minute 58 at Sepang. That's never been done. Like, no one else besides Enea Bastianini was within half a second. Mark Marquez was third on the grid and he didn't even know how he got there. He said, literally, I have no Another idea how I got row. there. <laughs> Another front row on that blunderbuss of a bike. Like, like... We were watching this qualifying session on Saturday morning thinking, what the f- does anybody want to win this? Because Banyaira <laughs> qualified ninth, Quadraro crashed and d- did his fingers in. He was starting 12th. Alicia Spargaro was starting 10th. Rules is sitting here going, does anybody want to win this championship? <laughs> Anyone at all? And, and, then, and of course, you got Martin, who again, we all know Martin, the Martinator, as he calls himself. It's still one of the worst nicknames. We in don't acknowledge it. You can't no, give we, yourself nicknames. No, we can't. Them's the rules. It's but, like an old Jim Rome like credo. You don't self gloss. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he qualifies under one fifty eight by half a second, fastest ever lap of Sepang on two wheels. Is leading the race by over a second. You're thinking, well, Martin's got this in the bag then, and Cam the catchphrase. Death, taxes, Jorge Martin is not built to win. <laughs> Wait, that's not the phrase. <laughs> no, but it is It is factual. Um, look, how many bikes has he trashed out of the out of good positions in the race this year? It's at least two. Because like, Austria is the one that sticks out to me as well, and he was on for a podium and then binned it on the final lap. He is all speed, but no vibes. It's... It is so like honestly, this is exactly where why Martin didn't get the gig over Bastianini because he just keeps throwing away really good positions. His speed is incredible. The problem is having breakneck speed doesn't make you special in MotoGP anymore. <laughs> like, like everybody's the, got that. Don't get me wrong. Qualifying is now more important than ever because of the lack of passing, but. If that's the case, Martin should be cashing in on these sorts of weekends more I often. Say that arguably makes it worse. Yeah. He had it in the bag. Like, do you know how hard it is to be 1.2 seconds in front of Francesco Bagnaia on a racetrack these days? Do you know how hard that is? <laughs> on the same equipment. <sighs> Martin, you frustrate me. But uh, we've got to talk about this fight. I mean, God. This was a different one. RJ, it was like it was like it's like Bastini showed his hand early this time. Yeah, that's uh that's a bit strange. Usually it's like you said, usually he saves this uh saves this later on, but uh this time uh it just it didn't work out. 
and that allowed Francesco Bagnaia to swoop right in and, and take the win for himself. Arresting that tailspin he's been having for a bit. Yeah, it's... I, I know you, you noticed it, Cam, as well. I mean, like, how weird was it seeing the Bastini one go in early and then... Did, like, why did anyone who was getting Sepang 2015 vibes out of this fight? Because it felt like, like why are these guys fighting each other so out of, out of sequence? When are they going to start throwing hands at the outside the middle of the Trota station? When is someone going to swing a leg? <laughs> um, I don't know. It felt very different to the first two rounds of Pekka v Beast. Because mm. normally Bastianini, he doesn't show, as you mentioned, he doesn't show everything right away. He'll usually wait for a late charge. In this case, he just, it feels like he emptied the gun real early. Yeah. And then Pekka had his measure not that not that it was easy because you talk about taking points but lo- watching them it looked like Pekka was at 100 percent mm. it's like he felt like this was the one he could win and to be fair Banyaya has always been more comfortable at the front he's a front runner that's what he does he's gonna make it really hard for you to pass him he reminds yeah. me a lot of Davizioso watching him on on, on a bike just demonically late breaking likes to dictate the terms of engagement <laughs> and he's going to wait for the other guy to throw the move at you and that's what we got because bastianini tried a last lap lunge but it was around the outside of the chicane going down the hill after the after the double right hander it's a really weird sort of place to overtake i don't know if bastianini was even thinking straight but it was the final corner too obvious on this one <laughs> like because I've seen guys try that there all the time, but this one was strange. You went around the outside of that chicane. More on that later. Cam, save your anger. <laughs> but uh, very Barely contained. <laughs> <laughs> but very odd stuff in the end. And yeah, Banyai with three to go just didn't get just didn't get an answer really back in response. But uh, also kind of weird as well that. Does it feel a bit strange to me that this is the first time MotoGP's had a title decider in five years? That's what kind of kind of says a lot, doesn't it? I had to double check this last night when I was writing this script. I was like, "Hang on a minute, this doesn't feel right." I was just like, so I went back here. So 2021, like Quattararo won at Misano, and that was I think two rounds early because of Banyai's big crash in that race. 2020, Mir won it one race early because he won it in the second of the two Valencia races. Then they went to Portimao where Mir DNF'd and then Morbidelli got really close to stealing it there. 2019, Mark Marquez. (laughs) No. Um, 2018, also Marquez, I think, won it two rounds early. Like This is the first decider since Andrea De Vizioso took Marquez to the limit on a Ducati GP17 back in 2017, and Marquez pulled off that save at turn one. Remember that one, folks? <laughs> Mapping eight. Mapping eight. That's the team order scandal that every MotoGP fan swears never happens. <clears throat> <laughs> like, I've, I've ever seen bike fans always say that team orders never happens in, in, in bike racing. Yes. It's like, oh, shit. Shit! It's just just accept the sport for what it is, sir. It's 
I, I, I will never get old. Get, get, you know, get old people who tell me, "Oh no, it's not like that. We're better than F one. We don't have team orders." Yes, you do. Yes, cut you do. from the same cloth. Like, did you notice, Cam, that they were, they were at the end, they were frequently cutting away to Davide Tardosi and Luigi Deligna going on the pit wall, looking very nervous. <laughs> did you see the the freaking Grassini and Repsol Honda tweet exchange for this morning? <laughs> Oh, hang on. I, I, I posted it in our Discord server. I've got to pull this up again because this was hilarious. Um, there's some spice in the air regarding this because, boy, um, oh, Repsol Honda tweeted yesterday that, quote, just woke up. Remember, there's only one race left. Sad emoji. Rossini responded, you should be happy the season is ending, which... Jesus Christ. Bruh. I mean, not wrong, but you didn't have to say it. And uh, Repsol Honda did not hold back and responded, quote, what's the orders for your Sunday? That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> just funny. We missed it because they, they also responded by saying, we'll take the paella and 25 points, thanks. Um, so for who? <laughs> Who's getting the 25 points? <laughs> Thank no, you, yeah. Evan. They have a lot of faith in Anaya, clearly. Um, we have beef. We have Arby's going down in MotoGP. We have the meats. <laughs> <laughs> we have got beef, motherfuckers. Um, Shout out, Moonhead. Oh, I, oh, I can't remember the last time I've seen Ducati look so nervous as two of their guys were racing each other for the win. Like Since mapping eight... And even mapping eight, like mapping eight, spilled over and got genuinely toxic between the riders. But this was t- team bosses looking very nervous. You know, like King knows, right? The Christian Horner foot twitch only like times that by twenty. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, fellas, what do we do? Um, what, what do we tell them? Because there's there's no radios in MotoGP. You can't really put it on the pit board. You can, you can put a message on the dash. But like, oh god, I I, I do not know where, where, where you even start on that one. That is wild. But uh, apparently, the, apparently there will be no team orders for the finale. I'll believe that when I see it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, the, well, the thing is, though, is that they don't even really need them because mm. here's the math: Fabio has to win, or else it's over. And Pecco has to not score. That's rule number one. If Fabio doesn't win, it's over. Point blank. When was the last time Fabio looked like winning a race? Germany, when he actually did win last, nine yeah. rounds ago. Yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> yeah, like, he has to win, first and foremost. Anything less than that, it's already over. And even then, Banaya only has to finish in 14th place. It's not really a decider is what we're getting at here, folks. But again, God loves a trier. So good luck to them on that one. Speaking of the deciders as well, we'd be remiss not to mention the end of Alicia Spargaro's valiant title hopes after finishing 11th in Sepang to mathematically rule him out of the running. He spoke afterwards in, the, in his uh, post-race uh, debrief with, the, with Fan Man and the rest by saying, quote, I'm very disappointed. I'm very sad. I'm very proud of everybody in Honda. So Honda, Honda, shit, <laughs> not a Honda, an, no, an Aprilia. No, you, you shouldn't be proud of any of most of those people. <laughs> of Aprilia, of myself, of my teammate, of everyone in Noel. 
what we did this year is amazing, historic. It will last forever. But at the same time, the way we ended the season is a bit sad because if we were able to maintain our level from the first half of the season in the last four races, we would have arrived in Valencia with some chances. But we really lost it. Looks like the dream was too big for us. So we will learn about it and be ready for the future. I mean, this is kind of like a like a post-season review preview, in a sense, talking about Aleish so much now. But it's, I think it was only fitting to talk about it now, given he's just fallen out of the running. But what have you made of that of, of a prettier this season with him at the helm? I mean, it's been quite the story and quite the roller coaster. Alicia Spargaro, that he even had an opportunity to win a race at a team, which not too long ago, people were passing up on an opportunity to step up in a MotoGP because it meant I have to ride with this team. And Alish and Aprilia have turned things around uh, to where that team could, for a moment, compete for a title, that they could win a race. They could be proud of that, man. Yeah, they, they have a lot is, of positives to pull from. Yeah, this year is a marked improvement, regardless of where they actually ended up finishing in the rider's standings. Uh, it's something that they could definitely build upon in the years going forward, that they can be competitive and win races. This was their arrival on on the main stage of MotoGP after... Mm. Years of turmoil. They were the laughing stock team of the sport. Uh, what was it Bradley Smith saying uh, you can only put, you can only do so much to polish a turd? Oh, I remember that. <laughs> and since then, completely resetting the bike a couple of years ago, and you'd see the progress every year. It's a little bit more and a little bit more, and then got their first win. And for for so much of the season, it just seemed like Alish would not go away. <laughs> but at the same mm. time, you have to look at it with a little bit of what might have been. Mm. Because just like the other title contenders, why I don't trust anyone in the sport anymore. <laughs> they left a lot of points on the table. Alish did with his scoring, his lap scoring screw up. Aprilia did with reliability issues, uh, with engine maps being left on the bike when they shouldn't have been. Mm. And then just too many weekends where they would regress kind of back into the midfield when on other weekends they would be fighting for, if not wins, at least consistently fighting for the podium. Yeah, it's... It's it's kind of conflict. It's always going to hit that much harder when you genuinely had a shot, and then it's yanked out from underneath you right at the death. Um, you know, I made a whole video talking about this earlier this year, saying that Alicia Spargaro was never meant to win a MotoGP race. I talked about he how he was a star of the claiming rules era, how he had gone two hundred starts in the top flight before he even won his first race. He's, he, had, he had his 300th Grand Prix motorcycle race this past weekend. 300! He's in the 300 club. That's pretty rarefied air. I think there's only about eight or nine riders ever that have had 300 career Grand Prix. It's 
Jesus. It's, 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 people forget. Alasia Spagaro debuted the same year Athens hosted the Olympic Games. 2004. Oh, wow. He's the only man left on the grid who rode an 800. The other one retired earlier this season, and that was Andrea Vizioza. He's the only man who was here during the first wave of prototypes. Yeah, that's how long ago Alicia Spagaro debuted. And he was mocked and rinsed. And I remember the, the discourse around this man when this season started about how he, you know, he basically been, you know, entitled and that, you know, guys had lost their jobs for less than, than what he had done in his Grand Prix career. They mentioned the Suzuki season where he was battered by Maverick Vinales, who ironically has come back and taken revenge on this year by outclassing him almost all season. And yeah, like it's, Alesh was never meant to be in this position. Ever, not in a million years. The fact they even got close is an incredible achievement, an incredible vindication for a rider that, look, he said himself last year, he thought he was a top three rider in the field and we all laughed at him. He's got a serious chance of finishing third in the championship this season, which, by the way, big bonus money if he gets that, by the way. So I, I hope he gets it. I mean, he's fighting Bastianini. For that I third mean, this, in the championship spot, there's a point between them with with one to go. <laughs> well, and this with Aprilia, who this year just lost concessions. Yeah, the the system that was designed to bring the field closer together, um, the system that you know had given Aprilia extra testing time, extra engines, more fuel to burn in races. It was deliberately designed to bring the teams up. So again, a testament to Dorna for the rule changes that have allowed this to happen. They've made not only a prettier competitive, but KTM as well. When they came back Suzuki, when they came back, um, it's made for a better sport and a prettier and a leash. Uh, has had a huge contribution towards making this a prettier team what it is today. And that deserves tremendous praise no matter which way you slice it. He f- is probably going to be my rider of the year, no matter what happens this season. Because n- when it comes to expectation, we expected Banyaya up the front. Fabio probably held out longer than he probably should have done on that Yamaha, right? Did anybody give Alicia Spagaro even a prayer of the oh. championship? Let alone a race win. Cam just about stretched out to a race win. Let alone... Alesh in contention for 20 rounds. Think about that. <laughs> and by a number of metrics, really the most consistent one of the set so yeah. far this year. I, I mean, don't think he's I go crashing back. the race this season. Yeah. I mean, pace hasn't always been there. How much of that is him? How much of that is Aprilia? We don't know. Uh, because Maverick has also been all over the place. Just getting used to a new bike. Has, has not the all year. Far, un- far and away has, has exceeded every expectation that could have possibly been put on this season. Right. Finished every race in the points this year, bar one, has not crashed in a race all season. That's in a season where. Banyar might win the top, might win the biggest ever MotoGP season with less than 280 points. That's really impressive. 
Like it's, and don't get me wrong. A part of the, of the way this season has played out for Relation this way is because the other contenders have beaten each other up. And yes, as Cam alluded to, Catalonia's going to hurt. Catalonia's really going to hurt in the grand scheme of things. That was nine points he coughed away for no nine good points, reason. 18 points, potent, given the pace he had, potentially 18 points in Japan mm. with that yeah. mechanics screw up. There is, yeah. yeah, podium speed and finish 16th. Yeah. Donated. Had, on the wrong tires in the race, he had enough pace where he would have been fighting for the podium. He was on the <sighs> right tires, probably fighting for P2 because, I mean, there was no stopping Jack Miller in Japan. But here's what you, if you're Aprilia, first of all, you take the season to the bank. You have oh, been laughed yeah. at. You have been mocked for years. You take this to the bank. You build on this for next season. You have to. They got to throw the house at this shorty. I mean, the thing is, is that what are they going to be like post concessions? That's going to be interesting. Like they're not going to be able to lean on engine development. They've been playing next year. to different. They've been playing to different rules to get to this point. Now, how are they going to perform on even ground? Right. That's what I'm going to find intriguing because. Yeah, there's no getting around it here. Like they had, they have had help to get to this point, and they're not going to have that anymore. So, yeah, how are they going to play up in a post concession? No one will be on concessions next year for the first time since these rules came into effect in 2016. The whole sport will be off concessions for the first time ever. So, mission accomplished. Mission accomplished. It's worked. Although I do love the fact they've known they may have noticed everybody is now bitching about Ducati's dominance. Everyone. It's like, King, we made it. We're F1. It was F1 too. This is what yeah, this is what Ferrari wanted. <laughs> the liberal Moto GP media has it out for Ducati Corsa. <laughs> <laughs> well, because in having what is far and away the best bike in the field now. Mm. First of all, you sure as hell couldn't say that a couple of years ago. Ducati's had to work to really just make their missile turn. Mm. We, we yelled at them for, what, five years straight. I mean, you got the straight line speed fix. Now make a turn. They finally so did. We- they have a crew mm-hmm. that can. But it hurts those. It. it, it it takes away those narratives of someone overcoming a shitbox bike like Fabio's done pretty much all season, like Mark has done really since 2015. Mm. It's not as good of a story. It's just, oh, the best rider on the best bike won. You're about to get a strong. You're about to get a very strongly worded email from uh, Ducati's head of PR about this, I'm sure. <laughs> what are they going to do? Blacklist me? I don't even go to the paddock. <laughs> wouldn't, it be the fir- wouldn't it be the first judge they've hit with that this year? <laughs> but, cool. uh, but yeah, like... Go conceive. Go conceive. Um, yeah. A salute to Aprilia. Like, nobody ever thought they'd get to this spot. And, you know, the fact they've got a rider that could finish top three in the championship. Hell, even top two, if, if Quadraro doesn't finish in Valencia, it's like second is not unachievable for Relaish. So, you know, it could be second, could be third, could be fourth for Relaish. Doesn't matter to me. He's He's been phenomenal this season. He's really gone out of his way to prove a lot of his critics wrong. 
And good for him because uh, he's one of the good dudes in the paddock. He's, he will always vouch for safety. He vouches for his fellow riders. He's a, he's there's a good head on that man's shoulders. And uh, well, you know, th- throughout all his time, you know, he bet on himself. Yeah, and he won. No matter the we outcome, really. We we don't say that very often in this sport. We really don't. And uh, yeah, if anybody has said that you thought Alicia Spagger was going to finish top four in the championship this year, I'd have said you were crazy. Um, Cam, you can unleash your fit of rage. What happened in Moto2? Give us a date. I missed this. Just tired, man. I'm tired. <laughs> I'll set the scene. It's the final lap of the Moto2 race in in Sepang. It's a two-man fight for the win. Everybody else is a gaping chasm back. I think it's like 13, 14 seconds back from the rest of the field, right? Mm-hmm. In the red corner, Tony Arbolino, who has led the majority of this race. In the blue corner, Ayagura in second, following Arbolino around. Now, Agura's got two choices. Also, it's worth pointing out, at this point, his main title rival, Augusto Fernandez, is running in fifth place. Right? So... Going to be some good games in the championship, you know? Right. Agura's looking at 20 points. You know, Fernandez is due for 11 for fifth place as it stands. It's plus nine for Agura, and that gives him a big old lead going into the final round of Valencia. I believe it would have been something like an, an eight and a half point, nine and a half point lead, something like that. Yeah, I think it was about nine. I think it was projected to be nine and a half. Something that right. would, it would take some some big uh, performance to overcome. Right. Agura goes for glory on the final lap and tries to pass Tony Arbolino around the outside of the left-handed chicane halfway through the lap. He crashes. That's so tough. Doesn't that also swing the championship where instead of like Agura leads, he's now yeah, like yeah, a he's handful of points back? Yeah. Agura's now nine and a half points back. Because obviously with that crash, it also promoted Fernandez up to fourth. So he got he got 13 points for three on Ayagura. You know, it, it would have been, I think, Agura having an 11-point lead. It's now Fernandez now has a nine-and-a-half-point lead going into Valencia, now knowing that third would be enough for him to win the title. Because he's got it's- the count-back advantage on Agura for race wins. I think three to one. Yeah, I don't think they can finish tied on points, but like... I mean, it's still doable, but it's like, you know, that's not ideal. That's really not ideal. I'm having a very bad day. I'm in no mood. (laughs) This today is one of the worst days I've had in a long time. What, What the hell? Like, you tried to win. You tried to win the battle. You forgot about the war and you lost both. Oh, you know, I if I've, Gap bike though. Uh, if Gap yeah, bike, this is the part where we insert the clip from America's Top Model, with Tyra Banks saying, "We believed in you. We we all believed in you." <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> I have been high on the Ayagura. I've been high on the Agura surprise 
all season. Little did I know he had a surprise in store for me. <laughs> He's one of your boys. He's a Honda man, Cam. You know, he was looking at the LCR job. He I just, I just, li- I like him as a rider. I like the way he goes about things. He's an old Unfortunately, school rider. I like him. Unfortunately, that comes with the fuck it, Leroy Jenkins kind of moves. <laughs> and, oh. and trust me, it was a Leroy Jenkins. He was coming in about 10 meters too hot. Um, he was never making that corner in a month for Sundays. Um, oh. oh, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear. Ayagura. Someone want to teach the entire, uh, someone want to teach any of these guys about risk assessment when it comes to their championship? Take the 20 points for fuck's sake. Don't be a hero, Agura. You, you had your home win. Like, that's your hero moment. Like, hero no. ball. It's hero ball for everybody. It's hero ball. It's LeBron James at the top of the key with five defenders on him because no one else can sink a shot. It's Ugh. James Harden shaking off Marcus Smart, putting him on the floor so he can get an uncontested <laughs> step back three and then missing the shot. Oh, it's so painful. It's probably cost him the Moto2 title. I, I, I don't I don't think Fernandez will fumble that bag at home. He's he's too smart for that. I, I really do think Augusta He's gonna need a, he's gonna need something external to happen. Yeah, it's that's probably how it's gonna go. I mean Oh, oh man alive like strange i said thing have happened this season has been very strange i mean alonso lopez has been the shock of the field pedro acosta wasn't quite the hype the hype monster we thought he was gonna be who had augusto fernandez stealing the title out the back door after all <laughs> not me I'll, I'll tell you that it, it's been it's been quite the year there might still be one more twist in the tail um, it's it, by the way, in general, it's a great race if you want to go out of your way to watch it because Fernandez got wound up by Jake Dixon in that race as well because Dixon broke the code, Cam. The you do not mess with a title contender code. Oh, fuck <laughs> off. <laughs> Wasn't a code then, it's not a code now. Good man. If you're not good, if you're not good enough, if you're not good enough to defend your position, come on, right. <laughs> exactly. I can't believe we're just ignoring John McPhee's uh, a farewell tour ending with a with a solid victory in Moto Three. The only reason I ignore it is because BT Sport are waxing all the fucking lyrical in the world to get this man a seat next year, and I'm just like, it's John McPhee, you guys. <laughs> he could be the next prime minister for all we know. <sighs> He'd be an improvement. Like. I like John McPhee, genuinely. I think he's a lovely guy. He's he very reasonable takes on bike racing. I do genuinely have a lot of time for McPhee. It makes me put, it puts me off him when BT Sport wax so much lyrical about this man. Listen, this is that's, this is his farewell talk because he's 28 years old. Moto 3's age limit is 28. He can't take part in Moto 3 next year. So. He has to now try and get into the Moto2 paddock. And it's kind of hard to do that right now because they're all looking at pay riders. You know, this is the the reality of Moto2. There are guys that are paying over half a million euros, which is a bargain compared to Formula 2. Um, (laughs) They're paying north, apparently, of 500,000 euros for their seats in that class. And McPhee hasn't got that kind of funding, apparently. Um, And also... 
rooting for the Max Racing team after the allegations they've had to go through this year also just in general feels icky, if I'm going to be honest. But good for John. He, he's, he's, he's a good dude. I'm happy for him. I hope he does fine work. He's a, he's a good guy and all that. But, you know, B- BT, if you're listening, <clears throat> tone Brit- it down two notches. Dare I say British Super Sports Championship contender John McPhee? <laughs> <laughs> there will have never been more homing. Wow. <laughs> oh, J- Rory James O'Connell. <laughs> I mean, it'd be good. I mean, it'd be good for him. He could be competitive. Sure. Sure. It could, look, look. Best of luck to John. I, I hope he, I hope he lands on his feet. He's one of the good dudes, and I hope he's and I'm glad he's getting out of a toxic race team. I hope, like Max Racing team are merging and going up to Moto Two next year. So there's no guarantees he actually goes anywhere. We'll have to wait and see. Oh, oh dear. More on that in the future of silly season if we get around to it on Moto GP. But their season finale, the final round of the Moto GP 2022 World Championship, round twenty. Well, I was okay. I had 21 written here. I had to put a line through it and say 20 because we lost Finland. Round 20, Valencia, the decider. Was it, was it much of a loss? No. Um, <laughs> the final round, Valencia, the decider. That will be next weekend at, at Valencia. Hopefully, we'll have. We'll have, a, we'll have a fun ending. I, not even a dramatic one, just a fun. I'll, I'll, I'll take fun in right now more than anything else. So that will be coming up soon. But uh, yeah, we'll be back for Formula One in Mexico next week as well. That's going to be a fun one too. Basically, you can find us one more time, YouTube and Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101 at Harrison 101 HD at Ryan Eric King thanks for coming on big man at Buckley 917 and at RJ O'Connell Instagram Motorsport 101 for all our content updates as well and of course you can back us financially on Patreon patreon.com forward slash Motorsport 101 all of those details and much more on our website Motorsport101.com we'll be back for the Mexican Grand Prix until then I've been Dre Harrison they've been Ryan Eric King Cam Buckley and RJ O'Connell don't do it Agura don't get eliminated. Sayonara. Later, y'all. Please, please don't do an Agura. Bye.